live from studios in Kiwani and Washington, it's Retro Review with Rob and Terry. This is Rob. This is Terry. And we are back with episode number 67. Oh boy, 67. One of my favorite prime numbers. (laughs) (laughs) And if you are of a certain age, then you will recognize this introduction music. This is the Saturday Night Live intro music from the 1991 season. Excellent. Loved it. We are taking on the 90s era of Saturday Night Live for Retro Review this week. And so we thought we'd give you a little bit of the uh, enhanced, enhanced opener. Terry, (laughs) what made you decide to do this episode? Well, I've been, uh, it's been on my list for a while, just... I was been waiting for the right time to do it. I felt we'd done a bunch of movies. I felt it was time to bust out the Saturday Night Live. We've talked about it. We've danced around a few times with uh, certain movies, and but this one we're just gonna dive right into Saturday Night Live. Yeah, this is a, this is a, I think one of the golden ages. There's been a couple of really great uh, periods in Saturday Night Live history. In the '90s, I think, is one of the best. It produced some of the biggest stars, and it had some of the most memorable characters, and you know, iconic. Iconic skits. Yeah, so we're only probably going to scratch the surface of how great the 90s SNL is tonight. Because if we really wanted to talk about every last single thing about all these actors and actresses that made that show great for the 90s, I mean, you could take 12 hours of podcast just if you really wanted to break it down. Because it's oh, so much content. Because you're talking, what, 20 to 25 episodes every season. And for ten seasons, that's two hundred fifty episodes. That's a lot. So, yeah, and I love. I've obviously, you know, being a a Gen Xer myself, the '90s Saturday Night Live is what I we would quote to each other at school all week long. <laughs> yep, same here, same here. And I I was only in single digits early on in the '90s, but the later '90s, I was in my teens, and that's man, that was pop culture uh, tattooing right there. It just gets imprinted in you forever. So. I just remember going to football practice and hearing people walking around saying, I'm chopping broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> chopping broccoli. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So, we're going to dive into a lot of that tonight. Got a lot of good stuff that'll yes. bring some back some memories. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to get to Saturday Live, but first, we got to get through some rants and raves, Terry. All right. We got some business to attend to. Now, I have. Two rants and a rave, but I want to give you a chance to see if you've got a rave for us, uh, a an update on the endeavors at the Thompson household. Do we have good news on the pool front? Well, we've been swimming in the pool all week since we was on the podcast last. Been having fun. Uh, one thing I got to tell you, my one of my rants, the rave is the swimming in the pool is great, but getting the pool chemistry down right getting the right chemicals and the right balance of everything. We live in Sunnyland, so we got iron in the water and different metals in the water. So I've been trying to research ways of eliminating that. And apparently there's an interesting way of doing this, any pool owners out there. You take a five-gallon bucket and you fill it up with polyfill, which is like the inside of a normal pillow or a teddy bear or something like that. And you can you can buy it separately by itself. You fill up the five-gallon bucket, and when you uh, go to hook up your pump to vacuum your pool, instead of hooking up to a vacuum, you hook it up to the five-gallon bucket. You drill a hole in it and secure it in there, and you run water through it. 
And on the other end of the bucket, you drill a bunch of holes. So the water filters through all this polyfill and catches all the metals that are in the water and then sends the clean water back in the pool. Apparently that's supposed to work, and I think I'm going to give it a try to really give our pool a nice shine. Okay. So it's, it's weird, but man, I just don't want to be forking over tons of money on different chemicals all summer trying to get this thing to look right and yeah. not being successful. Well, no, and like I said, chemistry can be very interesting, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, your ba- uh, Pool ownership is not something I see in my future. It just seems like so much work. Yeah, I don't want to knock my dad, but he promised Ruby a pool, which was going to be his old pool. And I didn't really consider all the work that was going to go into it. I just figured, hey, we're getting a free, bigger pool. It's going to be fun. And it's a lot of work. And not only, <laughs> yeah, so we get a free pool. But we got to pay for all the stuff to upkeep it and do all that. So right, it right. does end up costing money. So when you you decide you want to buy a pool, remember that you got to b- keep up with uh, the cost of maintaining the pool. Absolutely. Well, I have a rant too this week, Terry. I have two rants actually. One of them is that I've spent all of this evening since I got home from work moving my office from my office to the front porch. Right now, uh, it's I have realized that I have a lot of junk <laughs> that I had, had stashed away different places in my office, and I'm like, and it's just it's almost overwhelming. Look at all the stuff I got to go through and decide what I'm going to do with now that I'm in a different space because it's a smaller space and I don't have as many hiding places for all my stuff. So you've downgraded, downgraded because I had two big bookshelves that have gone away because there's nowhere to put them out here. And so they were full, um, both of books on the shelves, and they have a uh, storage space underneath. And those both those storage spaces were, were crammed full of stuff too. <laughs> and so I've got just a pile of stuff in the corner of the front porch out here where I'm at now. It is gonna need a new home. And so, so simple. So let's just move your office out to the front porch. But then, of course, because I pack rat too much, now I've got days of work ahead of me of trying to figure out what I'm gonna do with all this stuff. Bring the big old trash can from outside and find out what you want to throw out. (sighs) It's hard. It's in our blood to keep stuff. It is. It's hard to purge. I've got stuff that, you know, is sentimental. I Mm -hmm. remember when I got that or, you know, I know where that came from. And uh, a lot of it's books. I have a hard time getting rid of books. I did one big purge back when the church had the bookstore. I did a big purge of a lot of my used books for the used bookstore at the church there. And uh, that's the last time I've gotten rid of books. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. So that's been a while. I've got stacks and stacks of books out here now. Sounds like I, it's time. I loaned all my Star Wars novels to Dante because he's old enough to start reading novels. And I'd like to see him read a little bit more than playing Fortnite for <laughs> 24 hours a day on his summer break. But, it's hard uh, not to. Yeah. Uh, and I had another rant. This one's a little bit different. Now, I don't know how much YouTube Ruby watches. Enough. Enough. (laughs) Plenty. The YouTube ads are getting out of control. Out of control. They're not even age appropriate. Phoenix likes watching Yo Gabba Gabba. Now, since we, Yo Gabba Gabba only streams on Apple Plus, and we don't have Apple Plus because we had it for a while after Joey got a a new phone. And I'm sure we'll get it again when Crystal gets her new phone. Okay. But right now, we don't have Apple Plus, And that's the only place to watch Yo Gabba Gabba is on YouTube. 
We get, and I'm not exaggerating, Terry. She'll watch one 22-minute episode, and there will be no less than four or five commercial breaks in that 22-minute episode. One time I looked up, and the commercial break that was going on there, the ad that was running was, and I'm not making this up, over three hours long. Oh, my. So You were I mean, able to skip it, though, right? You are able to skip it, but you know, I'm looking at the time. I mean, what is the purpose of that? You can throw a three. It was basically like a whole TV show, like an infomercial, just smacked, just thrown in in the middle of you. And they have like, like they'll have music videos that will play as an ad in the middle of Yo Gabba Gabba, and they're not kid friendly music videos. Yeah, I was gonna say I run into the same problem with Hulu. Well, not anymore with Hulu, but what else? Peacock that still has commercials. Yeah, they uh, they'll play medication commercials <laughs> talking okay, yeah. about some serious stuff right and i'm like and i'll get a look from ruby like what are they talking about i'm like eh, <laughs> don't worry about it i don't we don't need to learn about viagra or anything like that right, right. Now. And it shouldn't be in the middle of a kid show you know no it's it shouldn't absolutely should not i, I see a meme saying they need to bring back more kid friendly commercials like i want to know what the latest thing is in super soaker technology you know that was yes that's that the thing I saw. Age appropriate. I mean, you've got to have. You can't tell me they can't figure out an algorithm for what commercials go where. That you're going to have an ad that's an adult music video, of some goth like creepy, you know, really doom metal music, just a video playing in the middle of a Yo Gabba Gabba episode. That's yeah, because you're getting bootleg Yo Gabba Gabba here and yeah. on YouTube, and that's unfortunate because you can't play it on YouTube Kids because it's not verified as uh, kid friendly, even though it totally is. Yeah, you got to go through a whole registration process to be verified kid friendly on YouTube. On YouTube Kids, that is. Okay. So. Well, it's uh, it's it's ridiculous and it's really annoying. I agree. Did you have any other rants, Terry? Uh, yeah. So Saturday, I it was a rave too because I got to go out golfing with Sarah on Saturday morning. Kiddo was uh, staying the night at the grandparents' house, and Sarah and I got up early, went out to Hillcrest. Beautiful morning, everything was great. And I tee off on the first hole, and I kind of felt a little soreness in my back. Not bad, just normal soreness from early in the morning. And we did a couple holes, and all of a sudden I swung, and boy, it just grabbed my lower back. And I was like, oh, come on. And we were walking the course, and it was only like oh, three, no. four, three or four holes in. You were at Hillcrest, you said? Yeah, so I just stuck it out, and it just was sore every time I swung, and one of them really got me good. I still shot a 75, which is 16 over for the course, which ain't bad. Uh, but, man, I should have stopped after I felt that because I left and I had the rest of my day. It was sore, but not terrible sore. Mm-hmm. Sunday, awful. Father's Day was, I was treated well and had a great meal and it was a good day. But, man, I was just so sore. And then Monday, I went back to work. And man, I tell you what, that I'm just sitting there. I, I looked like I should have had a walker in front of me because I could barely walk. Fortunately, I was working on a place where I didn't have to be too active. I didn't have to lift patients up. But man, I tell you what, it was sore, and I just oh, it killed me. I uh, I had people asking, "Are you okay? Are you okay? You need any medication or something? <laughs> Why are you working?" And I was like, "I'll be all right." It just just give me a few minutes. And I went to work yesterday. I was still kind of gimpy, but I went back today. I'm feeling better. But man, back pain is so stupid. It's always like 
three or four days, and I just hate life for those days. Right, right. And of course, I'm in the pool with Ruby and Sarah tonight. We're trying to get a whirlpool going since we got a round pool, trying to get water spinning. And I'm back walking backwards. It just seems easier to do it that way. And of course, I run back first right into the ladder, right in the oh, low no. back. And I'm like, ah, oh, come on. <laughs> oh, man. But I, I feel fine right now, so I can't complain too much. Well, that's uh, that's back pain, man. Uh, I, I've been, I think I've it's been, been a rant like at least five, five or six times. I know. I was just getting ready to say that. I know that I've been, I've been blessed because I haven't had to deal with uh, back pain. So it's it's. I'm trying to empathize as much as I can, but I haven't actually had to personally experience, you know, what you've had to go through. And I know that that's once I, from what I've heard about back pain, it's uh, it's hard to just get comfortable. Because there's no way you can actually just make it go away. It seems like, yeah. And what people don't realize that uh, having had back pain, it's like it. Not only the muscles in your low back grab you, but then that pain uh, goes down, every, down your legs, uh, just straight down. Like I had numbness down my legs and everything, but it's just a tightness in the muscles, cramping on a nerve or something. But Sarah sees me walking, like I had my shirt off or something. She's like, "Oh my god, you'd look." crooked like it was stressing her out like i looked wow disfigured because it was i was so twisted weird and i'm like i'm walk, i'm standing straight up she's like your hips are over here and your upper body's over here but uh well you know hopefully how you feeling now well uh i mean it feels fine now like i said it's like three or four days and i just need that time to loosen up and gotcha. kind of work through it but key thing is, lay down. Don't sit. Lay down as much you can, or what while it's really bad, and then like slowly start walking around. But try not to just sit. If you sit, you're gonna keep the pain around for longer. So all right. Well, let's move on to raves then, because I have a big one, and I know I probably can't talk about it, but I'm going to sell this to you because I expect you to have rectified this situation by our next I'll, podcast i'll watch obi-wan it's amazing <laughs> it's amazing uh it's all done you you're, you can you can binge it now it is completely ready to go for you but you have got to watch kenobi i will i'm off tomorrow but me and the kiddo i'm gonna do stuff so we'll see i'll i'll, I'll work it in all right, it's six episodes, and it is, and I'm not going to give away any of the, the details of the show. I'm just going to say that I really liked it. So, All right. Well, I plan on watching it, like I said. And you said I don't have to see the other one, so that gets me a little more excited. As long as you've seen the movies, you can, uh, you, you'll be fine with Kenobi. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I mean, Ewan McGregor's awesome by himself, so. Yeah. It should be good. I would say my rave is. I was going to ask you. You watch the boys yet? Yes, I'm caught up. I have. Is there? I'm still waiting on the next episode. The last I have caught up yet. So it's. Oh my gosh, that show! I love that show. It is weird and intense. It goes full force. It doesn't slow down ever. It is a wild, crazy show. I love it. And this next episode is supposed to push the boundaries to the absolute max. And I don't know much about it. I just know that it, they're going to go way over the top, and I can't wait yeah. to find out how. If what I've heard, it's going to be one for 
that <laughs> for the ages for the record books. It's supposed to be crazy. Yes. So I've been looking forward to this one because I looked at the uh, titles of the episodes ahead of time, and I saw the title. I was like, okay, so episode six is going to be the one that's going to be nuts. So here we go. And if you get on Thursday night, they throw it on there late Thursday night, like ten or eleven. I think I was watching it like 10 one last week, and I'm like, how is this already on here? Yeah. I'll take it. That's what I did with Kenobi last night. I woke up in the middle of the night. I woke up at like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I was like, <laughs> oh, man, I can't get back to sleep. I realized, oh, wait a minute. It's technically Wednesday now. Is it on there? And it was. Yep. So then I just watched Kenobi, and of course I was jacked from watching that. So then I turned on Doctor Strange's The Multitude of Mad- uh, Multiverse of Madness. That's... Then it dropped on Disney Plus 2, so... Yeah. You almost <laughs> called it Multitude again. of Madness, too. <laughs> again. I did almost a Multitude of Madness. <laughs> the Multiverse of Madness. I didn't watch. I didn't make it through the whole thing. I dozed in and out. Woke up in time to see John Krasinski again as uh, uh, Reed. Reed Richards. So, But I fell back asleep in and out. So I'll have to watch it again because I really enjoyed that movie. I foresee us uh, in between pool time tomorrow watching that. So Yeah. So how much more you got on vacation? Are you back? Oh, you know you're back to work. Never mind. Yeah, so. yeah, three days back. But I'm off tomorrow, so because I'll work this weekend. Yay! Yay! All right. Well, let's go then. Transition on to Terry's Guinness World Record report. All right, this one. Wow. I uh, I didn't realize what the record was, but it's a very common record that people attempt and try. People who are extremely fit, that is. Daniel Scally of Australia has smashed the world record for push-ups in one hour by doing a mind-boggling 3,182 push-ups. That's averaging, that's averaging a push-up every 1.13 seconds for an hour straight. Say that again. He did how many push-ups in one hour? 3,182. That's that's yeah, insane. That is insane. You gotta consider like if you were to do average one second flat for push up, you do thirty six hundred push ups. And he, Ooh. yeah, I'm out of breath and tired after ten push ups. <laughs> I don't know if I could get to ten at this point. It's been so long since I've done a push up. I don't know if I could get to ten. Yeah, it. But that that's our record for the week. I mean kill me i mean <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny you mentioned that because uh we got a couple of pictures um basic training is different now terry their basic training unit that jordan is in has a facebook page really and so they post photos from basic training on the unit facebook page and my brother was able to pull a couple of them off of there and you see and we've got a couple pictures of jordan and it's just crazy. He looks like, you know, well, obviously he is. He's, he's a grown man, but you don't really catch it uh, as as often as you, you know, as you think when you're looking at him. But looking at him in these pictures, it is definitely, he just looks like a man. And it's just crazy. And you know, I remember I sit there, I think I mentioned it before, I'll just randomly throughout the day think about what's, what's Jordan up to right now. Yep. Man. I, I remember him as a kid, and it's just weird knowing that he's an adult now. And in the military and getting jacked right now. All right. Well, speaking of uh, Jordan's training and and the, uh, the the true heroes that are the members of our armed forces, 
Let's move on to the Todd Beamer Hero of the Week, Terry. I don't know if you want to call this lazy or not, but these people need to be recognized. And it's just, in general, people who pay it forward. That's it. That's it. That's my Hero of the Week. And we don't mention those people too often. I always pick out a certain person or group of people. This one just goes out to everybody. When something happens nice to them, they pay it forward. They think to themselves, you know what? I should do something nice for someone else as well. And a lot of people instantly think, I should do something nice for that person that just did something nice for me. Well, you know what? You could do that, and that'd be fine. But you should also do something nice randomly for someone else. And point. I think we lose sight of that a lot, and we really need to just do that more. I remember a uh, good example. <laughs> Uh, you hear a lot of people get in those drive-thrus and they pay for the person behind them. Right. And and sometimes you build a chain of people because they're like, you know what? I'm going to pay for that person. I'm going to pay for that person behind me. And then, no, I'm, I came here to pay, give you my money. I'm going to pay for that person behind me. I remember I ended up behind, uh, I was at McDonald's once, and I randomly thought I was going to do this, and the lady behind me ordered like 35 bucks worth of food. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? And what kind of person would I be if I just backed off now? So I just went ahead and did it. But you know what? At, at the same time, that might have been a family of five back there and who's rolling pennies as it is. And that was their meal for the night. And, you know, you know, maybe I just made their day. Who knows? Could have been someone very wealthy that $35 is just like rolling pennies up there. Well, I don't think that that even matters, though, because it doesn't matter... The act of giving is a virtue in and of itself. It doesn't matter whether the person needed it or not. It's the fact that you were willing to give that makes the difference in you. Yeah. And I tell you what, I mean, I try to live that every day when I'm at work, too, because I got people coming in there at their most vulnerable times in their life, you know. That right. Something's wrong physically or a family member's struggling with something. And it really, I really try to go out of my way to make their life a little easier a little more tolerable for the moments that I'm with them, you know. And that is important to me, and I really, I, it sounds cheesy like I, I'm in, in it for patient care. I tell you what, I really am in it to take care of people, and I take pride in that. Well, good for you. That's definitely uh, definitely aspirational, for sure. Absolutely. All right, well, I like that. I like that. People pay it forward, you know, and, and kindness goes a long way. Yeah, it really does, and... Anybody listening, just do something nice for a random person. It doesn't need to be anybody you know. It can just be just for some random dude on the street, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, all right. I like that a lot. We're going to move on now real quick to Rob's hot take. Terry, I actually have two of them, but I'm only going to do one, and I'm just trying to pick now which one I want to do. Okay. I'll tell you what. Let's do this one because everything else has been kind of easy we'll do one that's a little bit more difficult so far uh this has been in the news lately and i don't care what it makes me sound like uh drag queens do not belong performing in front of little children have you been seeing these news with the uh uh they taking the kids to drag shows family friendly drag shows uh, I've seen lots of them that have been posted, videos posted on Twitter of these events, especially this month. 
and trying to, I don't know, what would normalize the the practice. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm all for living your life how you want to live it, but that is not appropriate entertainment for young kids. Hmm. Are they doing anything gross, nasty, like adult at all? Well, yeah, the, the, the butt up in the air with the thong on. Okay, now see that? It, that it, it, she's an appropriate drag queen, a girl, a guy, doesn't matter. You're throwing a thong butt up in the air. That ain't kid-friendly, period. Exactly. Now, or just the, the, and also, too, the, 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 there's been videos that have shown where they've had these kids up there, and they're encouraging them to participate and having people give them money like they're exotic dancers, like give them ones while they dance. Yeah, I, I for me, what you're talking about, I, I take the drag queen part of it out of the equation. That kind of activity alone around kids is just inappropriate. Period. You don't that that kind of stuff is adult entertainment, whether it's actually clothed or not. That's that's adult entertainment right there. That's that should not be around children uh, at all. And I don't know why anybody think that's a thinks that's a good idea to take their kids to that. I just. I, everybody has me scratching my head these days, but like I said with before about all this, you live your life how you want to live your life. I don't care, uh, but still be a good role model and still teach the future right from wrong. But yeah, that's all the kids gonna think is that's normal. And you should just do that at right. any opportunity, not when it's in the wrong environment or right in the right environment like they should. Yeah, and I just I'm, I'm sorry I'm not. I don't care what it makes me sound like. I don't believe that drag is young kid appropriate. That is an adult activity. I don't believe that smoking weed is a kid appropriate activity. Yeah. For one thing, I don't think these kids should be in bars to begin with. And that's on the parents. Yeah. that Like I said, I take the drag queen part out of this. It's, it's, if they want to dress up, if, if a guy wants to dress up like a woman, that's fine. Do it in an appropriate manner. And you're not putting on some sort of sexy show that 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 period right there, a sexy show, should not be anywhere near the kids. Yes, there's a reason why that kind of stuff is R-rated. You know. Yep. I I don't like it, but yeah. I I'm pretty. I'm very. I guess you'd call me. If you had to put a label, I'm very libertarian. I'm very much, you know, this is a free country. I understand what freedom means. Freedom means people will live their lives in ways that I don't find, uh, that I don't agree with. Yeah. And people will do things that go against what I believe in. And I'm fine with that. What I'm not fine with is forcing it on people who do not want to participate. And that right there, it's like it's it's not being forced because the parents made the choice to go. Well, there, there are no some sometimes it's schools that are bringing in drag performers too. Schools are bringing in drag performers for drag queen story time, where that's they're sitting different. there and reading books, and that's you know I don't want that kind of a lifestyle presented at the school. I don't think that's school appropriate. I don't think drag in general is is appropriate for children to be around. Yeah. This is not the same as saying that, you know, criticizing someone's lifestyle. This is a man dressed up as a woman in very garish fashion and very, you know, uh, uh, burlesque style in almost every case. It's not like he's just like trying to pass and be unnoticed as a woman just trying to fit in. This is an obsessive need for people to look at me 
type of a thing. And for them to be bringing that into schools for, for kindergartners and first graders, that's not right. Yeah, it's one thing if Mr. Smith is Mrs. Smith now and teaching your children. That's one thing. Right. Uh, she's keeping it appropriate, you know, keeping it. But, yeah, I I don't really think uh, that a drag, time, drag queen story time is really necessary. No, it's not. And it's, I mean, keeping it clean or not, it really it isn't necessary. And plus, I think I'd be on the parents if they feel like it's okay to introduce that to their kids or not. Right. I don't know. It shouldn't be on the school to decide that. Nope, I agree. I think that uh, you should, I think there's a big push right now to kind of erode away a parent's right to determine what their children are exposed to, and it's getting more and more pronounced as the days go on. Yeah. On the flip side, though, I feel like there's lots of permission slips and lots of "Are you okay if we teach this kind of thing?" sent out. Are That's you okay? regional. That's regional. They'll tell you. We live in a in a in rural communities. Yeah. We're not in, in major urban centers. It's very different yeah. in other places. So Sounds like it. Yep. So that's my, my hot take. I think that uh, drag shows are for adults only. Fair enough, though. So. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's it. Uh, and like I said, I'm still, I've been kind of kicking around, Terry, a lot more this idea of transforming Rob's hot take just into the United States of Rob. <laughs> I've gotten a couple of these old memories. It's been, like I said, a decade ago or whatever on Facebook where I had gone through this to, as as a fun sort of thing, determining what the rules would be in the United States of Rob. And I think it might be time to revisit that. Oh, boy. I think that could be a cool section. Otherwise, I'm just going to sound like a grumpy old guy complaining about things every week. And I don't want that. I wanna, oh, yeah. Want, anybody can complain about something. I want to be somebody that can come up with a solution. <laughs> How to oh, fix man. it. How to make it better. And my all-knowing and my wisdomous uh, persona can be world-changing, Terry. <laughs> In the mind of Rob. <laughs> I have the answers Yep, to all of our problems, Terry. And so Garp will be the world according to Rob. Yes, the United States of Rob. Citizenship is not given. It must be earned. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Starship Troopers. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. All right. Well, tonight, we are going to do a deep dive on 90s era Saturday Night Live. Uh, I said at the top of the show that I think this is one of the golden ages of Saturday Night Live. This whole run through the 90s had some of the most long-lasting, memorable characters, performers, and just the whole environment, and still includes my, in my opinion, the greatest weekend update person in all of the history of Saturday Night Live. And so we're probably going to get to all of them. Well, maybe not all of them. We're going to leave a lot on the table, but otherwise we'll be here all night. Yep. And uh, I'm looking forward to it, Terry. Yeah, we got a lot to cover, so I'm looking forward to it as well. All right. Well, let's, Terry, this was your choice, so why don't you lead us off? So, I, I told Rob before we started, I kind of wanted to break it down to some of the major actors that ended up becoming something off of SNL, and I thought we would just break it down. Mike Myers, Adam Sandler, Chris Farley, Will Ferrell, you know, a few of the big ones there. And then, 
after those guys, we'll break down lots of other sketches and other parts of SNL in the 90s that made it great. So, after who better to lead it off with than Mike Myers? Yes. Probably the most successful, money-wise, most successful Saturday Night Live performer of all time. Yeah, he was one of the hottest tickets of the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, and then he, after he got done with his live-action movies being big ticket, he struck gold with Shrek. Yeah. Well, fun fact, was supposed to be Chris Farley as Shrek, but then Mike Myers ended up taking over once Chris passed. So. And yeah. honestly, nothing against Chris Farley. Mike Myers makes Shrek. Oh, he's a fabulous Shrek. And they've got what, at least four movies and little extra shows that go along with right, it. So, right. I mean, one of those made like four hundred million just in the U.S. alone. And how much? I wonder how much did Shrek actually bring in <laughs> all of the total. So, uh, I'll go ahead, Terry. I'm gonna look that up real quick while we're talking about this. All right. So I'm gonna lead off one of the funnier Mike Myers skits for me was Philip the Hyper Hypo. Do you remember Philip at all? Philip, why do I not remember Philip? Is that that's not the kid in the tub, right? No, uh, he's coming up. No, Philip was the kid that was chained up at the playground, and because uh, he had hyperactive disorder and he was hypoglycemic, and he would say, "I'm a hyper hypo. That's why I wear a helmet. <laughs> My mother's a little protective." And he's only he's only six years old. And there's a funny skit where he's talking to Nicole Kidman, who's also six years old in the episode. And he's wearing his helmet. He's constantly jumping away from the the playground equipment with his harness on. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Just bouncing all over the place. And uh, Nicole Kidman's character busts out a little chocolate bar, and he's like, "I'm not supposed to have sugar." Jeez. <laughs> you sure you don't want just a little? Uh, okay, and then he takes one little bite and then inhales the entire chocolate bar. And he starts flipping out with his harness on. And he lifts up the playground equipment. It gives him super strength. And then he just takes off running down the street with the playground equipment pulling behind him. And chocolate all over his face. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man, that, that, I love that skit. That was, a, that was a fun one. Well, I just got the, the results back on the Google search. I just I pulled up the Google machine and... Uh, Shrek's total franchise box office worldwide. This is just at the box office. It's not counting DVD sales, streaming, any of that. $3.5 billion with a B dollars. That is nuts. That's just the Shrek movies. There's only four of them, too. And I guess there's one spinoff, some type of a thing. uh, Puss in Boots? Is that what it was? The spinoff? Yeah. Yeah, so. $3.5 billion for Shrek. Wow. What a franchise. Whew. One quietly making tons of money. And still still making money off those streaming. Well, I guess it's probably all on Disney now, isn't it? No, Shrek wasn't Disney, was it? No, it definitely wasn't. That was DreamWorks, right? I think so, maybe. Okay. But yeah, so it's still it's streaming somewhere, I'm sure, and it's making money off that. Yeah, another big one that was out there that made a lot of money was Despicable Me. And the Minions okay. movie. The Minions movie made over a billion dollars by itself worldwide. <laughs> so That's crazy, man. They're, they're doing pretty well with that franchise as well. Now, Mike Myers, uh, 
I, I, I kind of said that off the top of my head, he's the most financially successful. Now, that doesn't mean to say that he's the most talented. No. But his movies, I believe, would ha- I would have, uh, just based on Shrek alone, would lead you to believe that his movies have been the highest selling. Is that Am I right or wrong? Uh, highest sell the Shrek movies, yeah, they got to be the highest yeah. selling. Uh, Will Ferrell had Elf and a few other good ones that sold a lot, but I don't think they hit as much as Shrek did because Shrek hit a lot of audiences there. So and, <laughs> and it everywhere, everybody loves Shrek. Yeah. Like Eddie Murphy had lots of great movies. He had lots of great, you know, he a Q factor they call it. He, everybody knew who Eddie Murphy was. He, everybody Murphy's an, a worldwide icon, but I don't think his movies ever made that much money. Mm-mm. Most of them were rated R too, which really hurts. Yeah, it does. But yeah, you got it. We'll get to Adam Sandler, but you know that dude was raking in money. Just yeah, he's, hand been, over he's yeah, he's not hurting for money either. So, all right, so I'm going to move on to our next Mike Myers character, and that was the one in the bathtub that you had mentioned, Simon. <laughs> Simon, that's right. Yes. Hi, my name is Simon, and I like to do drawings. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that sounded so weird with you doing the Simon voice. It just didn't sound right. <laughs> I was watching it and I was like, he's not saying it right. So I wrote down in my notes to make sure I said it correctly. Okay. <laughs> I didn't say hi. I said hoy. <laughs> I do remember Simon. Yeah, uh, there was one episode in particular with Danny DeVito that was just hilarious. I mean, it was just so simple, and it wasn't anything special, but it, it was just a fun fun skit that got you laughing every time, and the one with Danny DeVito was especially good. <laughs> All right, so let's go on to what he's most famous for on Saturday Night Live, and that's obviously Wayne's World with him and right. Dana Carvey. That was just two mega movies came out of it from SNL, and what did we determine? That was like the highest grossing one, wasn't it? Yes, it was the highest grossing SNL movie that's ever been made. And I, people consider it to be the the benchmark. Even though Blues Brothers was technically a, an SNL movie as well, while it's more critically acclaimed, it didn't make as much money as Wayne's World. Yeah, and you couldn't walk anywhere in 1991 or 92 without someone saying Schwing. Yeah. Schwing was, Wait. everybody knew what Schwing was. Right, and we talked about this when we did the Wayne's World episode. That was my vocabulary was my senior, junior, senior year of high school was Wayne's World. So, (laughs) so yeah, Uh, my senior, I'm sorry, my senior year of high school was all Wayne's World. Oh yeah, they had their top ten list of top ten babes or something like that. Uh, Yeah, and they'd have guest stars on. (laughs) (laughs) That time when Aerosmith was on was legit that was really yeah. cool well the one that i remember too is when they had on the when they had madonna come on to Wayne's yes. world that one time and there was a dream sequence where he's yes. in a vogue video or something with madonna yeah it was all <laughs> black and white and kind of crazy looking and of course that was back when madonna was still hot and so you know it was like oh my gosh this is like a real life superstar on this sketch on saturday night live and <laughs> you know it had to be cool for for Mike Myers and and uh, Dana Carvey to be able to participate in that like that. Yeah, I love Dana Carvey as Garth. I mean, he just kills it. I just love how he makes that voice and his face all <laughs> Garth-like. Right. <laughs> Garth-like. <laughs> just saying Garth-like makes you almost sound like Garth Algar. 
Aerosmith is in my nook. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, my mom's showing her pictures. Garth, get up there. <laughs> uh, now, obviously Wayne's World was my favorite, but we can't forget that they had some other really good Mike Myers-driven skits. Dieter's. Dieter. With that Brockets. was my very next one. Okay, all right. All right. I am so full of anticipation that my genitals have sucked up into my body cavity. Before we begin, before we begin, would you like to touch my monkey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. Touch it. It was just it was just so weird and so out there that you're like there's no way that can you imagine trying to pitch that? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know it's Saturday Night Live, and they're probably used to things that are, you know, that's a certain type of comedy that theater people are all into. But just try, still trying to pitch Dieter yeah. and Sprockets has to be a hard sell. Yeah, I was say, I imagine what's on the cutting room floor there at SNL Studios. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Dieter, the Sprockets videos were ridiculous because he embodies that, uh, I don't know what you call it, Eastern European art scene type guy, yeah. all of everything, all in one to this extreme art guy. It just over the top, and yep. it. I remember in the early nineties, late eighties, you saw p- things like that on TV from time to time. Oh well, yeah, yeah, late night TV. Yep. So yeah, it was that was such a great, a great, uh, and he went all in on it. He sold out for it completely. That skin tight one was a bodysuit or whatever they would wear. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, oh, I love it. All right, let's see here. Another another good one. You remember Coffee Talk with Linda Richmond? Yes. Madonna was on that one too. Madonna and Roseanne for one of them, yeah. And even uh, Barbara Streisand made all, a guest all, appearance on Coffee Talk. All in that same episode, yeah. Yeah. Uh what is it? She said Yes, I did. A full hour of Barbara. It was like heroin. Not that I know what that's like. It's what I understand it's like on 2020. <laughs> you bring out the voices tonight, aren't you, Terry? I don't know. Getting lucky. All right. I like it. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, that one's just hilarious because her legs are like butter. <laughs> All right. Here's a question. Can you do those type of sketches now? Are you allowed, this is like a, a, a social commentary, would you be allowed to dress up like a woman to make it a joke, or is that going to offend somebody? No, I think you, you got to be able to still do stuff like that. Okay. You, you still got to be able to have fun and have everybody be on board for it. And I'm sure they may have tweaked it a little bit somehow to make it more friendly, but there's some on here that I'm going to talk about, at least one, that... <laughs> Ain't getting done. Gonna... Ain't getting At done all. today. <laughs> <laughs> Is Adam Sandler involved? Uh, yeah, in that one, maybe we'll see. <laughs> okay, you don't want to give it away. All right. Yeah. Speaking of Adam Sandler, let's talk about him. All right. Canteen boy. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of when you said <laughs> that. Uh, there's one you can't do that one anymore. They don't. You can't even find that on the Saturday Night Live archives anymore. Really. Yeah, I looked it up once. I think when we did, what was it we were doing? We did, a, I think we did a Rushmore of, of a, no, I know what it was. It was when I was doing the bracket for favorite Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live skit or character. That's what it was. I was, trying to, I was trying to post YouTube clips for all the entries when I posted them. And you cannot get an official uh, 
Saturday Night Live clip of that. You had to go. I was like, YouTube was pirated or recorded off of a. It was really bad recording. It was bad, yeah. uh, bad picture. Everything because it was so controversial. They just yanked it. Yeah, and for good reason, I guess. I mean, I guess, but you gotta know, you gotta man. find like uh, George Carlin said, you can make anything funny and not offensive if you try. Right. So I don't know. I, I I'm more along the lines of you already did it. You let it go on air. There's no sense in changing your mind now. I mean, you got all in the family playing. You still got married with children playing on stuff. Right. So I mean, you can you can watch all this stuff. Why? Making fun of something does not necessarily mean you're condoning. You're laughing at something doesn't mean you're condoning the behavior. No, we make fun of our president and politics all the time. Yeah, Bill Cosby jokes are all over the place. Nobody's condoning the idea of drugging people to get them to, you know, to mess around with you. But at the same time, that doesn't mean you still can't tell jokes about it. Yeah, like we talked about, we got a snowflake uh, type atmosphere now. Culture, absolutely. There's people out there just want to complain about something. And I was informed tonight that, you know, everybody talks about Karens, right? And how right. Oh, she's yeah. being a Karen. I'm sorry to all the actual Karens out there. It's a rough time for people named Karen right now. <laughs> but I, I was informed this evening that there's a male one. Chad is being a Chad. Yeah, I've I, heard that. I have not heard that until tonight. Okay. And I'm sorry to all the Chads out there, because I know a few Chads that are pretty legit guys. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I do, too. And uh, But, yeah, so there's, it's a rough time for those people. I have a Karen that goes to my church. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, actually, her name's actual Karen. I'm not saying she acts like the, the stereotypical <laughs> memed Karen. I just feel bad that that's, that's happened to that name. You know, nobody's getting named Karen anymore. Gonna, that name's going to fall off the, the earth. Yeah, it's unfortunate for all those people. Yeah, it's like, uh, we won't get into it anymore. <laughs> right. Let's move on to Opera Man. Opera Man. I really loved Opera Man. Yeah, he'd always make his appearance on Weekend Update. And here to give the update on this situation, uh, Adams, or, uh, we got Opera Man. <laughs> and they talk about Amy Fisher, Buddha Fuko, El Narco. El Shuto, in jello, no bello. <laughs> Senora, you're a horror. <laughs> <laughs> the best part of this podcast, Terry, is going to be your impersonations. They're not great, but they're something. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. Yeah, I loved Opera Man, and Adam Sandler's got a good voice. He can pull it off, so he's got a good singing voice. He does, and it's not. You say it's good, but not great. But not it's, great. I didn't say it was great. I said he's got a good singing voice. Yeah, it's just fun to listen to. He's, he's yes, like Weird Al has a better singing voice, but the content that Adam Sandler sings and the way he does it, his voices are just yeah. you can. His character comes in with the song, and I I love that. And yeah, Opera Man was great. Uh, he did did a bunch of songs on Saturday Night Live. In fact, he introduced everybody to the. Hanukkah, Hanukkah song. Yes. I think tell, probably his most famous song ever. Tell your friend Veronica, it's time to celebrate Hanukkah. I hope I get a harmonica on this lovely, lovely Hanukkah. So drink your gin and tonica and smoke your marijuana. If you really, really want to have a happy, 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 happy Hanukkah. 
you did the unedited version. It's supposed to be don't smoke marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. You did the stand-up version, not the Saturday Night Live version. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I got a lot. I got some stuff in here that isn't directly from Saturday Night Live, but okay, maybe from a movie that was from okay. the '90s SNL. I got you. Still I got counts you. to me. Uh, Adam Sandler, uh, the Hanukkah song. He has updated it throughout the years to add more people, to add more verses, and change it up a little bit. Which I always thought this was pretty cool because when you go to see him or you catch a, a live performance of it, and it's not just the same song from what twenty years ago, thirty years ago. Put them together. Not a bad looking Jew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, I think I don't think we have to go out on a limb to say this is the most famous Hanukkah carol of all time. Yeah, and I guess a dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know any of the words to dreidel, 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 but I can sing along with Adam Sandler to the Hanukkah song. Absolutely, same here. So, uh, another great song of his was "Lunch Lady Land." <laughs> sloppy Joe, sloppy, sloppy Joe. <laughs> I hear that in my head anytime I have sloppy Joes. Still to this day. Oh, you have to. It's required. And seeing uh, Chris Farley dressed up as a lunch lady with a giant mole on his cheek. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Watching them break in that scene, trying to hold it together just to get to the end, it makes you laugh even harder when you're watching it. Oh, I loved I loved Lunch Lady Land. That was fun. Hanukkah song, Opera Man, and he did more singing on there. And I could I could keep going on that, but we're gonna move on from the song. Well, I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't at least bring up Cajun Man because he kind of makes the appearance. I think there's parts there's scenes from The Water Boy that I think may have been directly influenced by Cajun Man on Saturday Night Live. Well, you got Cajun Man and Canteen Boy both sound like uh, Bobby. Bobby uh, Boucher. Boucher, thank you. So, definitely dug into that. Uh, my next skit that he was in that I liked was the Denise show. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. That's when he's got his own little public access show where he sits there and complains about uh, his ex girlfriend Denise and how he misses yeah. her. And this is the point in the show where I call Denise and hang up on her. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot all about this one. And this is the point in the show when my dad calls in and tells me I'm stupid for dad. <laughs> yes. And it's Phil Hartman coming in. Yo, what are you doing, you stupid idiot? You gotta let her go. Oh, you don't understand, dad. She's great. <laughs> I forgot all about the Denise show. That's crazy. I can't believe that. That's just slipped out of my brain. That was a fun one. Uh, another good one was the Hurley, the Hurley Boy house sitting service, and that was Adam Sandler and Chris Farley. So Adam Sandler plays the Hurley Hurley Boy, and Chris Farley plays Mr. O'Malley, who kind of encourages people to go along with it after he's given his little uh, speech. So. Here's a Hurley Heat Boy. Hey, look who's here. It's nice to see you again. You look great. Let me sleep in your bed. Don't shake your head no. Let me sleep in your bed. You're not even going to be there. Please let me sleep in your bed. Nothing weird's going to happen. I'll sleep in the exact same position as you sleep. You can trust me. I'll even wash the sheets before you come back. How's that? Please? 
And then Mr. O'Malley says, Sweet mother of God, what is the holdup? Let the boy sleep in your bed, damn bed. He said he'd wash your sheets. <laughs> that was a little intense. Well, it's Chris Farley. I. That's true. It's I, hard. To, it's hard to channel that kind of. Uh, uh, that was what made Chris Farley so great. Was he was able to pop in like that, and you just have these moments like that where you just like you get so. And it's just amazing. And you pulled that, it off well, Terry. I was. I didn't feel like I did that one justice because Chris Farley was amazing in that. So was Adam Sandler. They're just. It's simple little skits like that. They're just hilarious. And another great one that they did together was the Zagats review with oh, Hank and yeah. Beverly Gelsand. Yep. And where uh, Chris Farley's playing Beverly and Adam Sandler's playing Hank. And then you got Chris Farley as Beverly saying. The city steakhouse serves the best beef in town. Their central setting will set the mood for any romantic rendezvous. Oh, hear that, Hank? And he rubs his Hank's leg. And you see Adam Sandler not trying to break. He said, give me <laughs> cancer God now. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been hard to work with somebody like Chris Farley, who's just so naturally funny anyway, trying to hold it together to play straight man. Opposite of Farley, it has to be, oh, geez, just hard, almost impossible. You watch that scene, you can see Adam Sandler biting the inside of his yeah. lip, trying to keep it together. <laughs> He's just He's probably struck. spitting blood afterwards. It's all gnarled and chewed up. <laughs> He's struggling hard. Uh, but some of, those are some of my favorite Adam Sandler ones. I just love revisiting those. And I just I had a great time going back and watching some of these. And... I had to I had to really do some research because they don't know where does it really break it down. Nineties SNL, you have yeah. to watch go sift through seventies through now SNL best skits all the time, different p- popular ones. So I went through and found the ones I like. And if right. you have any you remember you want to bring up, we'll talk about. Uh, we're hitting them because, like we said, Adam Sandler was he wasn't always great in the like the ensemble scenes where he was just another player in it. Yeah. But when you gave him a chance to to play opposite someone like Farley or to do his characters that he came up with, that was where you really struck gold with Adam Sandler. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I am looking here and oh, there we go. I was I thought I almost forgot about it. The Gap Girls. When Adam oh, Sandler, yeah. David Spade, Chris Farley, Rob Schneider all dressed up as women and uh they're just these you know, just high school girls talking, gabbing, and uh, gossiping at the mall while they work. And right, there's just some really good skits out of that. One of the funnier lines was when they're eating French fries, <laughs> and David Spade says to Chris Farley's character, "Aren't you on a diet?" And Chris Farley's character look, looks over, "Lay off me, I'm starving." <laughs> <laughs> How come Chris Farley's best bits are getting in on the Adam Sandler section? Well, you know, there's going to be a lot of great skits ahead. We got a lot to pick up from from Chris Farley anyway. So Yeah, I still got, let's see here, like four or five maybe for Chris Farley on top of that. But, you know what, let's do Chris Farley next. I was going to do Will Ferrell. We'll do Chris Farley next. And you got to lead Who's it off. Chris Farley? I've never heard of him. Right? <laughs> Only one of the best uh, physical comedians ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had this debate at one point, didn't we, with Chris Farley as far as going up against, because everybody talks about him in the same vein as Jim Belushi. Yeah. John Belushi, I'm sorry, John Belushi. John Belushi, yeah. Uh, 
And did we have the conversation about who we actually preferred? Because I know I'd go with Chris Farley over John Belushi. Yeah, I, I would too, and that's just because of when it struck with me. You know, John Belushi, and sadly, was had passed away about the time I was born, so I never really got to experience him until I went back and watched older stuff. And it just doesn't hit the same when you aren't living it at the time. Yeah. But, yeah, John Belushi was definitely funny. I saw plenty of funny stuff with him, and I'm sure he was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was. Just, I, I thought I couldn't remember if we had that conversation or not, or had that discussion with Farley and that discussion because I I do think that Farley is almost like a perfected version of what John Belushi was doing. Right. If we're going to talk about Chris Farley, we got to lead it off with one of the first things he ever did on at Saturday Night Live, and that was the dance with Chippendales and Patrick Swayze. And I know we've mentioned that before. I think on the Tom. Uh, Tommy Boy podcast, but man, the Chippendales thing was hilarious. I mean, he's up there just going for it, all in, no shame at all in the world, and he's just going for it. And the fact that he didn't hold back at all in that scene, that was that was what just cemented him as someone that's going to be great. It it made it, it proved that he was a superstar. Absolutely, an absolute superstar. No fear, and I, I love that about Chris Farley. He didn't, he didn't hold back. He didn't hold back. What's your it. thought on the uh, people that have spoken out? I think Norm Macdonald was one of them that had spoken out afterwards, saying that that uh, that that skit was actually part of what triggered Farley's spiral. That he was, you know, because they were they were playing him for laughs. That they were making a joke out of his physical appearance. Do you think that's true, or do you think that was just part of what he? was able to do because of how talented he was and i unfortunately it it almost feels like you need to know chris farley to really feel that out you the person on his personal level because there's lots of speculation out there unless you hear it from the horse's mouth or someone that is basically family i mean it's hard to speculate on that it's a good point yeah if you heard it from his brother dave or whatever then maybe I've heard both sides. I've heard people say that you know that it was it was something he you know that that wounded him, and I've heard other people say that no, he was that was just Farley being Farley. He was yeah. that was his 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 zone. Yeah, and if he didn't go all in on this stuff, he wouldn't be the guy that we came to love right. and, and uh, admire. So I agree. I agree. I was wondering if you had had any thoughts on that. If you had come across that in your your internet travels, right? Uh, then you got, of course, Matt Foley, the motivational speaker. My name is Matt Foley, and I am a motivational speaker. Now let's get started by letting me give you a little bit of a scenario what my life is all about. First off, I am 35 years old, I am divorced, and I live in a van down by the river. <laughs> the, I think... And if I remember right, this was the one that won the uh, bracket for the Saturday Night Live skit or character was Matt Foley, motivational speaker. I don't think I laughed the at greatest. an SNL skit harder than I did at this one. I think this is the greatest character slash skit in SNL history. It was unbelievable. And he owned it and it also helped a little bit like in that one with David Spade, Christina Aguilera. Or not Christina Aguilera, Christina Applegate, excuse me. Yeah. And uh, where they're breaking during it, I think that just helped. 
and even make it better. And I, I loved it. The physical comedy of going through the table was just... <laughs> he was a killer, too, because as soon as he saw they were breaking, he amped it up. And he starts, like, messing with his belt and doing all those funny Chris Farley movements and just trying to just send him, you know, send him the rest of the way over the top to just finally lose it completely. And he was so good. It's like you watch a lot of the popular Chris Farley skits of all time. I don't think anybody's in that room that's not breaking. Yeah. <laughs> He's just so Absolutely. good. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, Matt Foley, it's been spoken to a hundred times over a thousand million times about how great he is in that skit. So yeah, love it. Hats off to that one. That's a forever, a forever skit. Yeah, I loved it. And I, I would have loved to see him live on and be a host on SNL later on and revisit this and have fun with it. Yep. Sadly, never got that. All right, moving on to another skit that uh, I liked was the Bill Swirsky Superfans. Yes. I yes. love those. And he wasn't even the main focus on there. He's just part uh, of the ensemble with George Went and Mike Myers and was it Robert Smigel. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember he's sitting there beating his chest. <laughs> <laughs> and I just having a heart attack. <laughs> and George Went's character, or Bill Swirsky, said, how many heart attacks does that make now, Todd? How about a baker's dozen, Bob? <laughs> you talk about another skit that just it changed the way people talk. That changed and, and that altered how an entire city talked about their sports teams. And we're not talking about altering someplace like nothing in San Antonio or Jacksonville or even, you know, uh, another one of those, like, or Green Bay even. You're talking about Chicago. This yep. is, you know... One of the big, largest, the third largest metropolitan area in the United States. And this skit from Saturday Night Live changed how that whole city would talk about sports forever. Duh it became Bears. Duh Bears. And it just, that's just it. That's part of who they are now. And it filtered down to the Bulls, too, because you had him on there with, with Michael Jordan when he was a guest on the show. And, and they even do it with the Cubs sometimes, too. So it's just crazy. They never did it with the White Sox, though, which is kind of discriminatory, but. Who cares about them White Sox? You talked about the, the Bulls and that, that another Chris Farley thing. And he said, all right, Todd, uh, I understand you have a special dance you wanted to show uh, his airness. <laughs> yeah. And he gets up with his hula skirt on. He says, da, bolsta, 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 bolsta. <laughs> it's and so simple, Jordan. but it's uh, hilarious. And seeing short Jordan get up there and dance. How is Jordan that good of an athlete and that terrible of a dancer? Oh, awful. You got to be just <laughs> so fluid on the court, and then he looks awful on the dance floor there. Right. He's just got no dance moves. I was just too self conscious, you know, with the comedy aspect of it. But yeah, not a lot of dance moves from his airness. Yeah, that was uh, that was fun. I, I, just, I just loved all that. It was so, so entertaining, and it even hit better because we're from the area. Yeah, absolutely. Even though you're not really, you were probably a Jacksonville Jaguars fan at the time that you were watching Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I jumped on a bandwagon because I was <laughs> bored and I was a teenager and I just didn't have a football team. Old man didn't have a football team at the time and the Rams moved to town and all of a sudden he's a Rams fan. Yep. So. Anyway. I'll forgive it. Yeah, well. All right, so another great Chris Farley sketch was the Chris Farley show. Yes. His interview, the timid interviewer, yes. the, uh, the 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 lacking confidence guy. Yeah, he just says, uh, uh, so uh, 
you, you remember when you were with the Beatles and, and, and you were supposed to be dead and uh, uh, th- there was all these clues that like uh, you'd play some song backwards and it'd say like Paul is dead and uh, everyone thought that you were dead that was a I'm a hoax right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I really wasn't dead. <laughs> uh, that 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 interview with Paul McCartney is just one for the ages. That was hilarious, and uh, and you see that, <laughs> and that, actually, you know what? That character works with like British style comedy too. So you can tell that Paul McCartney felt at ease yeah. in that because you know it was that kind of cringe type of comedy, and he was you could tell that he was he was all in on it too, and that made it work as well. And that was one fun thing about that because it's so simple. It's not Chris Farley going over the top. Right, he's not crashing through a table exactly, or and really in your face or nothing. He's just acting like a nervous guy, and that's hilarious in itself. But it made the his guest, his quote guest on the show, uh, more at ease, and they're not breaking. Like Jeff Daniels was on it, and he was chill. Paul McCartney was chill at, on it the whole way through. Nothing was no cracking. All right, so those are the fun Chris Farley ones. You have another one that you thought was. No, I mean I love the uh, when he, anytime you put Chris Farley in a scene, it's dangerous because he has the <laughs> ability to simply outshine everybody in the room. He was a megawatt type of performer where you give him even like in the movies when he's first coming on, he gets a he gets like thirty seconds of the movie and you remember him for the rest of your life from that thirty seconds of the movie. Yeah, the bus driver on uh, Billy Madison. Yep. You know, he's in that movie for a grand total of probably two minutes yep. of screen time. And you'll never forget those two minutes of screen time. Him scripting the wheel like he's ready to snap. He's just turning red faced and everything. And you just, you'll never forget it. He's just that kind of performer. Every time he was in a skit, in a bit, anytime he was on stage, you could not take your eyes off him. Yeah, that's one great thing about Chris Farley. He just gives you. A- all of it, a hundred percent, every time. He never lacking. I'm with you. It is a a a tragedy that we didn't get to see how that guy was going to take his career. Um, because and even you know to be perfectly fair and honest, you could tell the drugs were getting on top of him towards the end of what we saw in his career, like Beverly Hills Ninja. You could tell that that he was becoming a caricature of himself. I would have loved to seen him get clean. And go back to what made him great, and mm-hmm. I tell you what, he would his comeback story would have been easy to sell because people loved him already. Absolutely, I would have adored to see that. <sighs> All right, I guess we gotta transition somehow, so we'll move on to Will Ferrell. Okay. And my favorite, my personal favorite, Will Ferrell on Saturday Night Live is Alex Trebek. On Celebrity Jeopardy. <laughs> yeah. And it's not necessarily uh, Will Ferrell that makes it great. It's the contestants. The <laughs> but he's like a good facilitator. He's like a great point guard. Well, he uh, he does a lot of work just to set other people up for their big shot, I think. And that's what's one of the things that's great about Will Ferrell. His timing on it was, as Alex Trebek was spot on. Because, oh, perfect. I mean, he would just... Ask a question, somebody make a stupid noise, and he would just look at him. It's like, with it's just, <laughs> <laughs> and just, I love it. it. He was great. 
Uh, and then you got to speak to Sean Connery and Burt Reynolds, played by Daryl Hammond uh, and Norm Macdonald. And uh, Burt Reynolds changed his name to Turd Ferguson. You still hear people talk about Turd Ferguson today. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, man, and how Sean Connery wanted to do lots of dirty things to Alex Trebek's mother. <laughs> yes. And it's the, the, the deliberate mispronunciation. Uh, I, I said mispronunciation. Mispronunci- I can't even say it right. I got you. Mispronunciation. Uh, yes, that's the word I'm looking for. The deliberate mispronunciation of the words, especially from Sean Connery. I loved it. All right, this category is therapist. And you hear Sean Connery, I'll take the rapist for 200. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Exactly. And there was one, Burt Reynolds, and they had condominiums was a choice. He's like, "Ah, yeah, uh, I'll take the condom thing for 2,000. (laughs) (laughs) The, uh, and Will Ferrell is great at playing the, uh, the bizarre straight guy. You know, I'm not talking about in, in terms of like, Sexual, I'm sorry, playing yeah. the straight man yeah. in the scene. He is just perfect for it because he's able to say so in character, stone faced, you know, just not letting it phase him. And you can tell that everyone else can be breaking around him and he's going to maintain. Yeah, there's not too often that he breaks, but there are, there's a couple times uh, there through that season throughout his run where he does break. And those are legendary in themselves because you got Will Ferrell to break, you know. <laughs> and the one that jumps out of my head is the hot tub scene. Oh gosh, where it's it's Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore, and then yep. Rachel Dratch. Yep. And they're doing the hot tub scene, and that one you can see that that one gets on top of him a little bit. <laughs> they're lovers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we made love under a tree. It was glorious. There were squirrels watching. Or something. Now Will Ferrell. It's interesting because there's not a lot of middle ground on Will Ferrell. You either love Will Ferrell or he just annoys the crap out of you. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, say, talking about annoy the crap out of you, I told you this was one of my favorite things from SNL, and you said you didn't really care for it, and that was the Butabi Brothers with Chris Kattan. And that made the world never ever hear the song what is love by hadaway without thinking of will ferrell and chris tan dry humping women in nightclubs yeah it just that one never did it for me man i just i don't know what it was it's just that 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 bit never caught on with me yeah and i I didn't hold it against i didn't hold it against will ferrell i didn't hold it against you know the performers it just i was just it it got old fast it was one of those bits been it's funny for 30 seconds and after that thirty seconds, I was like, "Okay, I'm done with this. This, this, we don't need to go back to this." And they just kept coming back to it and kept coming back to it, and it just didn't work for me. I was probably about twelve, maybe twelve, thirteen, fourteen, something like that. So my immature humor at the time, it was perfect. Yeah, yeah, of course. Be- Beavis and Butthead, you know, were the greatest right. things ever. Right. <laughs> Stupid humor. I have, like I said, there's not a lot of middle ground with Will Ferrell, but I can take Will Ferrell in doses, and so. There's been times I'm like, oh, I'm just, okay, I don't need, that's a little bit too much Will Ferrell for me, and I've got to back off a little bit, but uh, I do enjoy him very much. I enjoyed, the one that I liked on of Will Ferrell's, and I don't know if this was on your list, was on the Christmas special one, where he's playing the, the singer that's spinning around. I was just the, thinking of that one. <laughs> he's singing, it's, I can't remember what, if he's playing a character or just being himself. Different holiday the, songs, the, I think. Yeah, and so the, 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 the little uh, stage that he's on is rotating. 
And so he's singing, he comes on kids again, and finally he's just stuck together. He's like, oh, seriously, guys, I'm not on feel well. He's going to, I loved that one. <laughs> I do too. That was a classic. That one's hard to find online. I couldn't really track it down. I wanted to watch you that know, one last If you year. watch, it's on the Christmas episode every year, every year of Saturday Night Live when they do their Christmas episode in December. They replay that one. Oh, I'm going to have to look it up again. So when it, yeah. that time comes around. Yeah, I like I liked that one. Uh, what's another one when he's wearing his patriotic Speedo at the oh, conference room meeting? You know what he reminds me? Him and Rain Wilson as Dwight were never afraid to let their their physical body be the joke in that terms of like, like cause Dwight would strip down to his tidy whities on the office mm-hmm. and you're, he, he's playing it for humor, but I'm like, man, I wouldn't want people laughing at me if I was in my underwear. That's not the, the kind of reaction I would want, Yeah, but they were unafraid. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you gotta love them for it. You gotta love them for it. Another great Will Ferrell one I actually did write down was, of course, the Spartan Cheerleaders with yeah, Terry yeah. O'Terry. Craig and Ariana. And here's one good one. Taco, burrito, what's coming out of your Speedo? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're doing cheers at football games, basketball games, swim meets, chess matches. <laughs> <laughs> And they are so, you believe that they love cheering so much they don't care about anybody else's thoughts on it, that they right. just show up and do it no matter what. I love it. And I could listen to it a thousand times. It was great. Uh, one more that I loved, hit one of his greatest impersonations on Saturday Night Live, by far for me, was when he would impersonate Harry Carey. Oh yeah, and see that's a lost impersonation too, because yeah. there's a whole generation now that just doesn't get what Harry Carey was all about. And he went over top with it. He's shaking the whole yeah. time. Hey fans, it's Harry Carey here, <laughs> and he just—you can tell the way he delivers it. He's got like dementia or something as he's doing. Right. It. There was one. Colin uh, Quinn was the new host of Weekend Update. I gotta ask you something, Norm. <laughs> Have you ever bitten a man's ear off? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, and you know what's funny is about the Harry Carey impersonations now is that they've gotten so far. Everybody's tried to do them, and they've tried to outdo the person that's done them before. Will Ferrell especially took him to a whole another level. Like uh, you, like you said with the body, with the shaking, and you go back and watch Harry Carey, and you're like, what are these people talking about? That's not him at all. <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's it started to become a parody of a parody of a parody. Yep. And I'm gonna wash it down with a Budweiser. <laughs> <laughs> the first, the best Harry Carey bit I ever heard anybody do. I heard it on Bob and Tom. Yeah, I know what one you're talking about. I had yes. it on my uh, phone actually. Do you think the, the first baseball game ever played? Absolutely. The Bethlehem Braves and the Jerusalem Giants. <laughs> Uh, here, kind of a sparse crowd here today as a plague of locusts has made it hard to get out to the field. <laughs> and coming up to the plate now, Lazarus. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Lazarus. Lazarus. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the pitch. He's hit. He's hurt. He's down. Holy cow. He's dead. Bob, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> he gets back up. That's the third time this week for the Savior. <laughs> Oh, that's such a great that's such a great 
that's such a great uh, bit. It's a, I said bit like eighteen thousand times already so tonight. And yeah. go with another way to say it, but yeah, it's just, uh, that, I still you're right. That's one of the greatest Harry Carey jokes ever. Then they also did the Heaven and Hell baseball game, which was uh, another great one. So it's also on Bob and Tom. So check that one out if you. I'm sure you've heard it. Yeah, I'm but, sure. That's uh, a good one. So that wraps it up for me for uh, single people here. Now we're going to dig into the other great sketches of Saturday Night Live. And we got to talk about, well, isn't that special? The Church Lady by Dana Carvey. Okay. The, just, I, I love how, I can't even say the right word. Uh, I don't even know how to explain Church Lady. She just... She always. She is the straight laced. Uh, everybody else is a disappointment to her, type of a person. Yes, and I think you you know people like this who are just everybody has let them down, and nobody has lived up to the standards that they've set for everybody else. And that was the church lady. Oh, and his, the way he delivered it was great. And you heard, well, isn't that special? Yeah. Through the 90s. Everywhere. Everybody Everywhere. Everybody said that that was just a thing. Could it be Satan? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I forgot about that one, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Growing up in church my whole life, church lady really struck a nerve. You're like, oh, people are pointing at, at people in church. Oh, that's who that is. <laughs> How did your parents like church lady? I don't think they liked any Saturday Night Live. I don't think it was their style of humor. I don't think they really liked that kind of that kind of humor. My dad's an old school movie humor. It's like he likes, you know, Abbott and Costello, right? That sort of stuff. The Saturday Night Live humor just never really. I don't think really caught on with them. All right. And speaking of Dana Carvey, we got uh, when he teamed up with Kevin Neely, Kevin Neely, Kevin Nealon, and doing Hans and Franz. Hans and Franz. Yes, that was another one. That was, I'm here too. Pump you up. Exactly. <laughs> I'm glad you said it because I have gotten too many voices out tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at impressions, so if I get one, it's going to be hit or miss for sure. Yeah, they, they're that all bulked up with a stupid gray sweatsuit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have Arnold Schwarzenegger on when he was a host, and he's actually jacked. <laughs> if you want some unintentional comedy, this is off subject. Watch Pumping Iron. With Arnold Schwarzenegger, that movie—that is some unintentional comedy at its best. Yeah, I had—I've had clips of it sent to me that are like, "Whoa, okay." <laughs> you need to watch this movie, Terry, from start to finish, and watch Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, we're talking Lou Ferrigno. He breaks Lou Ferrigno in this movie. Just okay. breaks his will, to, <laughs> breaks his spirit, and it's so hilarious. I mean, it's not—I guess. In a kind of like watching a train accident, and maybe not hilarious is the wrong word, but I'm sorry, it is funny. And maybe I should feel more empathy for Lou Ferrigno, but it's the Incredible Hulk for crying out loud. And Arnold Schwarzenegger just makes him up, just totally gets in his head. He completely messes with him throughout the whole movie and punks him out. And it's just so bizarre seeing these guys that are ripped. I mean, like I said, Lou Ferrigno is the Incredible Hulk from my childhood. And to see him just get played out by Schwarzenegger is just something to behold. You've got to watch that movie. I've never watched it start to finish, but I've definitely seen uh, several clips of it, and oh, they're ridiculous. Schwarzenegger is so full of himself. He's 
so full of himself that you almost think, is he pretending or is this really how he is? I wonder, it's like, is it just his youth and he wasn't really wised up yet? Because, I mean, he, Arnold's done some great things for other people in his life, so. Yeah. Is he the greatest person ever? No, but, I mean, I feel like According he. According to him. <laughs> well, is. definitely in that, but. He, you gotta watch it. It's, it's, it's worth your time, Terry. You'll thank me. Uh <laughs> After you watch it, like, I'm glad you made. Uh, if I could force you to watch it, I would. Someday, if I if it's ever streaming and I see it, <laughs> I don't remember where if it's streaming or not. I'll check. <laughs> but go ahead, go on to your next your next part. Well, this one was from a holiday episode in 1998, and it featured Anna Gasteyer, Molly Shannon, and Alec Baldwin. Oh yes, this is the NPR iconic. the NPR yes. show where. Molly Shannon, Anna Gasteyer, just so straight-laced. Yeah, I had some uh, rice last night with some water. It was it was delicious. Oh, that's great. Oh, tonight a delicious dish. And now we have a special guest on. Uh, he's here to talk about his sweet treat. And, you know, and uh, the sweet treat ends up being uh, something called sweaty balls. Sweaty balls, yes. And Alec Baldwin talks about how his uh, his name's Alan Sweaty and or something whatever. And I got the, I make these balls every year, and everybody goes crazy for them. People just can't get enough of my sweaty balls. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody plays it so straight through the whole thing yes. without cracking, yep. which made it a thousand times better. I think if you would have cracked on this one, it would have taken away from it. Other yep. ones, it ruins it, it. Other skits are great for cracking. This one, straight laced, it was perfect and man everybody was talking about sweaty balls yeah oh that yeah sweaty balls became and that's another one that gets played every year on the christmas episode of saturday night live you're gonna get another look at alec baldwin's sweaty balls oh gosh and <laughs> speaking of which pumping iron is on tubi so yeah free so you may have to watch a commercial or two but it's it's for free so it's not gonna cost you anything to watch Schwarzenegger punk the Incredible Hulk. We'll see. <laughs> you got to watch it, Terry. I'm telling you. You got to watch it. You got to watch it with Sarah. Because right. the way she hated ravishing Rick Rude and the way he preened and pranced around and showed off his muscles, this is just going to be Sarah. Sarah's worst nightmare of a movie. I can do an impersonation of Sarah's face if you can describe it. You ever seen somebody that's seeing something that should not be seen by anybody ever and just the look of disgust? Yeah, that's what it is. Why? 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 <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, anyways. So. Yeah, Sweaty Balls, that's one that's an all time that's an all timer. That's a Hall of Fame skit from Saturday Night Live. And we're in the nineties and I just mentioned Molly Shannon. We gotta talk about Mary Catherine Gallagher. Yep, superstar. Yep. Sometimes when I get nervous, I stick my hands under my arms and smell them like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And the first time she did it on the show, <laughs> she had a hard time keeping it together. Like oh, like yeah. it actually smelled bad. <laughs> she didn't, didn't like it. <laughs> and she was another one that could was a master of the the uh the comedic fall. Oh yeah. Yeah, through the uh the stalls in the bathroom was a one of my favorites. Yeah, oh my gosh! Uh, Mary Catherine Gallagher is the Catholic schoolgirl, just 
Uh, the odd, awkward one. That was great. Absolutely. Oh, another one. Long gone, but not forgotten. The uh, ambiguously gay duo. Oh, yeah. Now, that was one of the first animated shorts, wasn't it? I'm not sure about that, but I just remember seeing that okay. different ones throughout the years through the 90s. Ace and Gary. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they had a phallic-shaped car and crystals in there, kind of like uh, what what's uh, Superman's home or that crystal area that he's in. Oh, the, uh, the Fortress of Solitude? Thank you. Well, they got their own type of Fortress of Solitude, and their version of Jor-El shows up, and he's like, uh, guys, I this isn't really what I had in mind when I said you could redecorate in here. <laughs> and it's just phallic <laughs> shapes everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and on tonight's episode, a hard one to swallow. <laughs> Wasn't that uh, Steve Carell voiced one of those? Did he? Yes. Oh, I'm, so, I'm almost positive. I'm so almost we, positive. So can we say he was a cast member on Saturday Night Live? He was. Uh I'm, I'm, I'm looking up. I believe I, I want to make sure that I'm right. You might. I, I think you are. I think he was either Ace or Gary. Now you say that. Yeah, it was uh, produced. Let me see. I just the, the Fortress of Privacy is the one that, that jumped. Yeah, it was actually you know who the Ace was Stephen Colbert. That's right. And the other one is Ace. And what was the other guy's name again? Gary. Gary. Gary was Steve Carell. That's right. So it was Stephen Colbert and Steve Carell. Who are megastars now. Megastars. Megastars. And that's how they they were on Saturday Night Live. Wow. So technically, they were they cast members or were they just... I'm assuming... I don't know if they were cast members or maybe they were... Well, were they... Fe- I don't know how the breaks down. The breaks down. There's featured I, players. I don't count them. I think they're featured players. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> I know why you're doing that. <laughs> we'll get into that later. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. One other quotes from it. They said, "Sometimes the best thing to do is not to think and put it in." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's uh, move on. No. Let's move on before we lose our family friendly. <laughs> all the all the villains and even the big characters like they're like, "Hey, what are you guys looking at?" Nothing. <laughs> Cuz they're all talking about I I think they're gay. They I mean, they listen to such and such in the car <laughs> they gotta be and another one of the guys like listening to Melissa Etheridge makes you gay <laughs> this stupid stuff like that right alright next up the ladies man with Tim Meadows okay I forgot about the ladies man oh uh, yeah he I think was on the show later in the episode because they always put more adult themed things in that okay. section of it all right but yeah my name is leon phillips and to those of you who are uninitiated i am an expert in the ways of love i have made love to many fine ladies from the lowliest bus station skank to the classiest most sophisticated educated debutante high society bus station skank <laughs> <laughs> leon phillips the ladies man ridiculous that one was one that never really stuck with me for some reason. That was that was a that was, that was a, a miss for me. That was a tail end of the nineties, I think. It was more yeah. popular and you were on to bigger and better things by then. <laughs> I think I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So 
I had mentioned that there's probably another one that wouldn't get played nowadays, and that, it's Pat. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Is it she? Is it a he? <laughs> it's Pat. <laughs> oh, yeah. That one's not happening anymore. No. There's no way you're getting away with it's Pat yeah, and they, today. They never reveal ever on the show, I don't think. At right. all. It was just a, the running joke, running gag, and it just continued on for the duration. I wonder how long it's going to be until they scrub Pat from the archives. I don't know. Is it still out there? I haven't ever checked, but I would I would be curious to find out whether or not that one's even still uh, available to see. Was it like it was played by Julia Sweeney, and her shoulders? Okay. She just kind of odd shaped. Yeah. And and they well they did a lot of it was costume too yeah they, they really did it up to make it very ambiguous and think ambiguous was the word I was looking for I haven't heard that word in a while uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's been a whole thirty seconds right. since we said the word ambiguous but yeah her, her shoulders would go up and she had that short curly hair and she'd have that uh, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> <whiny> voice <laughs> just ridiculous and the funny part of it was everybody trying to figure out. <laughs> Whether Pat was, you know, male or female. Right. And I think in one episode, Linda Hamilton was on there, and they go into the bathroom like, oh, yeah, I knew it all along. That's absolutely what it was. And the, But they don't ever say what it was. And <laughs> right, right. Uh, anyways, ain't happening today. Not a chance. No way. Uh, next one I got here is The Daily Affirmation with Stuart Smalley, played by Al Franken. Uh-huh. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. This is the only one that you've mentioned so far that I actually hated. I think that's the point. I hated Stuart Smalley. I mean, it wasn't even like, like oh, I, I was in on the joke. Like, uh, this is what they would call it in, in, in WWE, go away heat. <laughs> like, I didn't just hate the, the, uh, the character. I hated everything about it. I don't know. I, I thought it was just, it was simple. It wasn't like just blow you away funny, but it was it was funny in some way. Uh, I, I mean, some people, everybody's got their own different tastes. Al Franken never moved the needle for me, ever. <laughs> Not at any time. I understand. But it, it must have been funny enough that they made a movie called Stuart Saves His Family, which yeah, is a, minority. a train wreck of a movie. It sucks. Yeah. There were lots of people that liked it. It's just it never. It was one of those that just never. I never got it. I never saw. Never thought it was funny. All right, another one from the late nineties was Brian Fellow Safari Planet with Tracy Morgan. You ever watch that? Oh yes, a Brian Fellows. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy Morgan. I like Tracy Morgan a lot, and I think a lot of it was because I don't know that I liked him as much on Saturday Night Live when he was on there. But 30 Rock made me fall in love with Tracy Morgan. And so then going back and watching him on old Saturday Night Live episodes, I appreciate him even more after having seen him on 30 Rock. Yeah, he. I liked uh, Brian Fellows. Yeah, that was that was probably one of the main things I liked him for from Saturday Night Live. It was just funny how he did it, and he killed it when he was on there. Oh, yeah. What are... If, the one other thing I remember, the one other thing I remember Tracy Morgan being on was a dumb Horatio Sands skit. It was a Christmas episode where they're doing a uh, Horatio Sands is singing. I think he's playing the ukulele, and then you've also got uh, 
Jimmy Fallon playing the keyboards. Oh, yep, I remember that. What one. I'm talking yeah, about, I do. yeah. And just the way Tracy Morgan is standing there dancing, and the way he's just kind of moving in that scene is just hilarious to me. Right, I like that. I mean, Tracy Morgan, he was underrated in my opinion. He never got the big giant movie roles, but Thirty Rock, like you said, crushed it. Yeah, for sure. Oh, here's another one that you probably glad you don't hear anymore. But it was a something you heard everybody do it, and it was kind of annoying. Bye bye. Who was? Oh, that was the uh, the stewardesses. Yep. Total bastard airlines. <laughs> yes. Okay, that's right. David Spade. Ah, oh, David Spade's another one that I can only take in doses. Sometimes, if you get too much David Spade, it just ruins it. But in the right amount, he's very funny. Yeah, I just he get off the plane. Yeah, okay, now bye bye, bye bye. It's like, oh my god, and you heard bye bye everywhere for a while. Everywhere. Oh god, and I was sick of it really quickly. And I was a yep. kid. I mean, I think yeah, hey, yeah. Stop. <laughs> anyway, I, I couldn't not do mention it at least because it did imprint the pop culture significantly at the time. And another one that everybody was saying was making copies. I was just about to bring this up. I was wondering if you had it on your list that Rob Schneider bit of him just like, you know, Terry Man, the Terry Meister, yep. making copies, making the copies, the Terry Man. <laughs> Steve-o, you, Steve-o-reno. <laughs> how many people, I was not working in any kind of an office at that time, if I can remember right. I think this was when I was in the Army. But can you imagine what it was like to be in corporate offices when this movie came out? I mean, oh. this this character came out. Oh, murder! And then the amount of times you would hear that that whole ordeal going on while you were at work. God, and you know, there's got to be that guy there that really just lives it. You know, once he heard it, he's like, "Oh yeah, this is awesome. I'm going to do this all the time because it's hilarious." And then he gets punched, and then it stops. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And nobody, there's not a jury in the world that would convict him. Right. <laughs> All right. So we move on to my final thing, final skit. And that's Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy. With, yes. I got I got a few deep thoughts. I, I'm sure you probably got a couple up your sleeve. Uh, if trees could scream, would we be so cavalier about cutting them down? We might, if they screamed all the time for no good reason. <laughs> I used to have the Jack Handy calendars, the desktop calendars, the Deep Thoughts desktop calendar. Uh, it's it's gotten to the point now we don't even know which ones were true anymore because they've been parodied so many times that you're like, was that what happened? Is actually on the show or just this someone that someone made up? Before you criticize someone, you should walk a mile in their shoes. That way, when you criticize them, you are a mile away from them and you have their shoes. <laughs> It takes a big man to cry, but it takes a bigger man to laugh at that man. <laughs> and Phil Hartman's voice in these things is just so perfect for them. Dad always ha- Dad always thought laughter was the best medicine, which I guess is why several of us died of tuberculosis. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get one more. That's all I had, man. I, oh. I had four of them. Okay. No, those are I love the the Jack Handy ones. Those are definitely uh they make the Hall of Fame. Yeah, the, it's like fifteen thoughts. Fifteen seconds on screen, you're done. But it was a great yep. fifteen seconds. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So last thing we haven't touched on yet from the nineties weekend up or nineties SNL is the weekend update. They had yes. four anchors through the nineties. First Dennis Miller, then Kevin Nealon, then Norm McDonald, and then Colin Quinn to round out the year. We may argue about the decade, this. excuse me. Yeah, we may argue about this. I don't know where you stand on the Norm McDonald weekend update, but for me, it's Dennis Miller all the way, greatest of all time. He's the GOAT. I like Dennis Miller as the, uh, the weekend update anchor, but I was eight when he was done with it. I was eight years old. Okay. So I really right. didn't get to see him in his prime, and going back and watching it, it doesn't hit the same. I, uh, I, that's how that's- I grew up with Norm MacDonald as the weekend update anchor. That was where okay. he was in my wheelhouse. I, I started off with Kevin Nealon more, and okay. Kevin Nealon was funny, but Norm MacDonald's where it hit. Uh, and I liked him as Norm McDonald or as the weekend update guy. So Colin Quinn, I just I just can't get on yeah. Colin Quinn bus here. I just never really thought he no. was all that funny. I mean, no, he's probably one out of those. He's definitely my least favorite. Yeah, he play he can play a certain role, and he he does it great. But there's not very many of them. He's not he did, to me. He's not a very diverse character. Right, a guy. To, Dennis Miller, I loved it. And then of course because I just I. I love Dennis Miller's stand up too. I loved listening to his stand up. I loved listening to him. I loved listening to him talk. Yeah. He was so funny. Yeah. And he just gets so bizarre. And some of the stuff that he would bring up the references are like, where is that from? I mean, you gotta go look it up. You gotta go, you know, before you even Google this, you gotta go thumb through encyclopedias to figure out what Dennis Miller's talking about. I was like, I was I was always liked that. Yeah, this is before Jimmy Fallon got his own late night show, and before yeah. Seth Meyers got his own late night show. Dennis Miller got his own late night show before those guys, yeah. and he's the first one. You know, so that was pretty cool. I thought he transitioned from SNL and did it for real, and did. Yep. So it was it was pretty cool. And now we're we're, we're just talking about '90s here, but with you saying Norm Macdonald was your '90s guy, is he your favorite all time? No. Uh, weekend update: Who's your favorite all time? Hmm. All time, yeah. Oh, keep in mind, I didn't see any of the seventies, eighties stuff, so I don't. Right. Remember, I don't even remember who it was during the eighties until you got to Dennis Miller. Uh, yeah, Chevy Chase was in the eighties. Yeah, was he in the eighties? I, I thought I figured he would be in the seventies. Because what you may be right, he was at the very beginning. Yeah, because he and was the first had, person to he, say live at New, live from New York at Saturday Night. Yeah, so maybe it was maybe it was Dan Aykroyd that was doing it at that point later on. Ah yes, Dan, anyway. well yeah, Dan Aykroyd and Jane Curtin. I did see some of those old ones; those were good. Jane, you ignorant slut. <laughs> but uh, no, if I had to pick one, I, re- I Jimmy Fallon and uh, Amy Poehler or no, Tina Fey and Jace. Yeah, those were great. I think Tina Fey and Amy Poehler is probably a very close second to Dennis Miller for me. Yeah, Dennis Miller was always my favorite. That's who. I think when I first started really getting really enjoying Saturday Night Live, Dennis Miller was Weekend Update, and uh, so then, but that, but Tina Fey is just she's flawless when she's on there too. Mm-hmm. She's her comedic timing is perfect. Yeah, cause she was just and, a writer before that, wasn't she? And then, yeah, then they yeah. put her on the camera, and it's like, dude, Tina Fey's great, <laughs> right? And her and Amy Poehler just worked so well together. They did that. Uh, that I thought that was they were a great duo. They're probably my favorite duo, hands down. But I think this overall, I think I, I think I still give it to Dennis Miller. Yeah, I mean, I like the. I, that's one of the main things I like about Saturday Night Live still is the weekend update. So if I'm on YouTube, I'm, I might just watch the weekend update 
and that's yeah, it. I'm in, I'm in the same boat. I think I Colin think Jones does out. a great job. Uh, Michael yes. Che does a great job. Uh, Seth Myers had done a great job, and uh, what was Bill Hader's character? Stefan. <laughs> oh gosh, yes, Stefan. When Stefan would be on Seth Meyers' Weekend Update, that yeah. was, those were hilarious. Seth Meyers is underrated for his Weekend Update, I think, because he was really good at it. Yeah, he was, and that's why he transitioned easily into late night talk. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so uh, no, Stefan, man, what a great character that was. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. Loved all of it. So anyways, that that rounds out all my talk about 90s stuff. And if anybody listening wants to yell at us and tell us we missed something, by all means. Uh, There's a lot to cover, and I'd love to talk more about it, hear more about it. I think we hit a lot of the highlights. There's going to be always people with with comedy, especially, you're going to have personal taste. Some people are going to think certain things are funnier than other things. Other people may think that Wayne's World was dumb. And, you know, they made us think it was too mainstream or, you know, maybe they didn't think, maybe they liked different things. But uh, I think we had a pretty good cross-section of what made Saturday Night Live great in the 90s. Yeah, and, like, yeah, if you, there's a lot of stuff you don't like. Tell me about that, too. <laughs> yes. I'd love to hear it. We'd love to hear anything at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Just talk to us. Talk to us, please. I feel like Will Smith at the, uh, in, uh, oh, He's a lot. He's in the city. What's I am legend? Everybody else is dead. I am legend. Thank you. Where he's in the video says, "Please talk to me to the mannequin. <laughs> Just talk to me, please." Gosh, Carrie, yeah. explain our Mount Rushmore. All right. So Rob and I were trying to come up with a Rushmore this week, and I thought it'd be interesting. We'd done previous Rushmores about Saturday Night Live, and we just talked about the entire decade. It's like we talked about our favorite things about it. So we really can't do favorite skits because we just talked about all of them. So I decided that we should do our favorite, uh, or not our favorite, but actors or actresses we wish would have been on Saturday Night Live or who we think would have done great as a cast member on Saturday Night Live that never were a cast member. So I'll lead it off because I was alluding to it earlier, was Steve Carell I think would have been marvelous absolutely marvelous on saturday night live he's got that kind of humor and timing as michael scott he just is awesome on the office i think that kind of humor would have translated beautifully on saturday night live i agree i think that's a great choice uh he didn't make my list but uh i i'm mad at myself for not having him on my list because that's a great choice okay that was gonna be the last one i said but I, i just figure i'll lead off with it yeah I uh, when I did this, I was said I have a huge list here of people. Yeah. I have two that I think would be obvious choices that are I think rock like they're legends in their own right. I have another one that I think would be a wild card for you and one that you probably haven't heard of or wouldn't have considered. And I did it on purpose because they didn't want to go straight chalk and be like just list off the greatest comedians of all time. If I had, a, I have a couple that are like that. I have a guess, maybe one, maybe one we share. I think it's a good guess. I think it's a good guess. I'll start off with the one I think we might share then for mine. I'm going to say Robin Williams. Robin Williams was an alternate for me. Okay. All and right. I love Robin Williams. I think he's amazing. I think his type of comedy just all the time on SNL might have been too much. Might 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 have taken away from the Robin Williams charm that he has. And I love okay. I love Robin Williams. Don't get me wrong. I thought he was just he's one of my all time favorites. But I didn't put him on the Rushmore. I was really trying to think of who I think would have been great in the long run on an SNL. Okay. 
my I chose him because he has the ability to play characters. He does. He has a very he's very great at improvisation. Voices, and, yeah, too. And so um that's why I would think he would thrive. You're right though, he if they weren't careful, he's he would he could fill up a room pretty fast. But yeah, I, I could definitely be argued into having him on there all the time too. So yeah. he's that's that why, why my ultimate list for sure. Absolutely. All right, so who's up next for you? Here's one of my curveballs I'll throw at you. Aubrey Plaza. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I have great alternates, but I figured I want to throw a female on here. I want I want to have a female on my list. And I think her type of humor would have played really well on screen. I love or her on. character in Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar, though, enough with her other work to see could she... <laughs> Play something other than her Parks and Rec character. I think. Or was she, that really where she was at? I think she could, and I I would love to see that type of character. And you got some of them like the people when they're mocking the Kardashians, and oh, yeah. I think she would have been perfect for that. She would have been that's true perfect for that kind of stuff. And they do stuff like that all the time. The Californians and <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think she would have been awesome. So I, I threw her on there. Just I would have liked to see her on as a cast member personally, and just myself. And I have other women in my alternates too that also would have been. But well, I'll throw. I have one one woman on my Rushmore as well, and I thought she's the one I said that I had one that you may not even know that I think I think would be make a great. You may know her name, but not Eliza Schlesinger. Yeah, I've seen was some a, stand-up comedy from her. Yes, she is what I think makes her unique is that she has the ability to, she's very self-deprecating, and she's very smart, and she's also gorgeous. And so I think that would have played well on Saturday Night Live, because you know, like the Cecily Strong type, where she's a very smart, very you know talented, but also very, very good-looking person that I think would have played well on Saturday Night Live. Okay, I, yeah, I could see that. I haven't seen enough of her material to make that distinction or not, but as you said with Aubrey Plaza, but yeah, I... I, I'd be interested to see that. Yeah, I like I like her stand up a lot. She's got another one that's got superb timing with her jokes, and she really she plays the audience expectations I think a little bit well, very well too. And uh, she's got a lot of good, really strong writing in her stand up specials that I enjoy, especially the way she breaks down the whole idea of weddings in one episode. Is just is one stand up special. Just it was hilarious. Yeah. All right. Okay, so next up for Terry, then. See, I put this on here, and I'm kind of thinking maybe I want to switch it out, but I, I'm going to stick with it just because I wrote it. Uh, Jim Carrey. He was on In Living Color for several years. I think he would have been great on SNL as well. I know he was he guest hosted a few times, and I thought he did great on there. So, But didn't he try out and didn't make it? That's what I'm saying. He never he was never on the show as, okay. as a I'm just cast saying, member. Yeah. But that, gotcha, he did try out and didn't make it. Okay, but that's a good choice. Yeah. Yeah, Jim Carrey his his ability to do characters too is just is really phenomenal. And you saw how all in he went on in Living Color, yeah, and translate that over to Saturday Night Live. I bet they were beating themselves over the head, wishing, dang it, we should have gotten Jim Carrey when he before he was known. And the guys in In Living Color probably beating themselves over the head too because they brought on a white guy that stole the show. Yeah, I know, right? This <laughs> is just like. <laughs> dominated black cast and then you got Jim Carrey and then he's yeah, he going just, nuts he just runs away with it gosh 
Oh, in living color. That show was fun. I miss that show. That yeah, was fun. I do. I miss that one too. Homie the clown. <laughs> that kicked off the whole Wayans family <laughs> legacy right there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, mine next up is one who I think obviously could have thrived in Saturday Night Live, but I don't know that he would have stayed there long, even if he would have been on there, because he's too good. And that's Dave Chappelle. He was an alternate as well, and that was one I was thinking about subbing out just now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because Dave Chappelle proved, obviously, on the Chappelle show what he was capable of, but that was also his writing. So, like I said, I think he would have been phenomenal on Saturday Night Live. I think he would have left after maybe a couple of seasons. Yeah, if he had freedom on that show, I think he would have been an outstanding Weekend Update anchor. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's a great call. He would have been a great one. Yeah. But yeah, that's one I think like he was him and Robin Williams were my two that were I think like like no no doubt picks. So because I know that both of them, their their talents for me would have been I thought would have put them on there. So Absolutely. So who's your last one then, Terry? Oh gosh. And this is a guy that stayed kind of under the radar until the movie The Hangover came out, and that's Zach Galifianakis. Oh, that's a great choice. Yeah, Zach Galifianakis, hilarious. He tried out for the show, didn't get on. Oh, my gosh, that's a great choice. I still cannot watch Between Two two Ferns without cracking up completely. (laughs) That is hilarious. Oh, it's one of the best things on the internet. I mean, it's similar to the Chris Farley show in a way. And, and yeah. so, I mean, he had something like that on SNL. But you don't have any sympathy for him the way you did for Chris Farley. No. <laughs> he doesn't play it. He doesn't play it up to get you on his side. No. And the best one is the clips you can watch where, like, the people that are on there are breaking. And, like, when he had Brie Larson on there, and he's like, uh, he's asking, so your parents divorced. Uh, was that your fault? <laughs> so, yeah. she, just, she just loses it. She can't even keep a straight face. <laughs> Uh, Do you think that, that the fact that your name is Benedict Cumber, Cumberbatch makes people think you're a good actor? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Love that it guy. It was great. Yeah. Uh, that's a great choice. That's a really good one. I'm jealous of that one because I didn't have him down at all. But my last one is one that I think is a curveball that is uh, that I think if, that you may not have thought of, but I think you're going to love this pick. All right. Gene Wilder. Dude, Gene Wilder would have been epic. And it's so funny you mentioned that. We seriously just watched a movie with him in it last night. So, uh, But yeah, Gene Wilder was so good at comedic timing and just diving hard into a character and going yeah. all in. He would have he been perfect anything. for SNL. Absolutely. I wasn't thinking older like that. I was thinking 90s and later, but I didn't consider back in the day... Man, yeah, Gene Wilder would have been excellent. Excellent choice. Jim, Gene Wilder is in some of my favorite movies. Well, we did uh, See No Evil, Hear No Evil, mm-hmm. one of, probably my favorite comedy of all time. And watching this other things that he's been in, when he played Willy Wonka yep. in uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and his ability to flip between manic and comedic and gentle and you know ferocious. Oh, I think it would have been perfect for Saturday Night Yeah, Night. Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, Stir Crazy. Yes. Absolutely. Lots of good ones in his uh catalog there. I like that choice. That was a that was a good choice. All right, so remind everybody of your four again. 
uh, Jim Carrey, Aubrey Plaza, Zach Galifianakis, and Steve Carell. That's a, that's a murderer's row right there. And then I had listed uh, Dave Chappelle, Robin Williams, Gene Wilder, and Eliza Schlesinger. I like those as well. Let's talk about some of these alternates because I got a couple interesting alternates. I think that would be that that I, I bumped just because those four I thought, like I said, I had I wanted to get a couple that were I thought you know no brainers, and I want to have a, two that were kind of you know outside of what you might normally think of because some of the other no brainers that I threw out there were guys like you know uh, Richard Pryor, of course, who was a guest on the show. Yep. Uh, Carol Burnett, Lucille Ball, you know old time. You know, they both, Carol Burnett had a Saturday Night Live type show right. of her own. And Lucille Ball, of course, one of the most famous comedians of all time. For sure. And, if, and then like, and they got like Kevin Hart. Those are people that are huge names already that, you know, throw them on to just their own star power alone. So I had those as some of the alternates. But the ones that I, that I think were interesting is here's one that you may not have thought of, and that's Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey on SNL. Huh. I don't see it. You don't see it? I see it. Convince I see it me. He he is the Keenan Thompson character. And have you ever seen Steve Harvey's stand up? I've seen one, yeah. But it was one of the he early ones. Old, he's got this old school cool about him. The whole like almost like of course. Motown cool. Yeah, yeah. And and so I think that would have played really well. You know, especially opposite guys. Like, well, even opposite guys, he could be the old guy in there that plays it well. And I think with his, he has great timing too. Great facial expressions. If you watch uh, Family Feud and you watch the way he interacts with people on the fly, I think that shows he's got good improv skills. And he definitely can command the presence on stage. Yeah. To pull it off. The more more I think about it, I'm I'm picturing him doing it, and I'm picturing when you said Kenyon Thompson, I kind of sold it for me because I think of a lot of his characters that he does, and Steve Harvey could do those just as well, if not better. And Steve Harvey could do Weekend Update too. I think Steve Harvey could pull off Weekend Update because <laughs> he's like the guy. He's I, I, it's hard for me to explain, but he whenever I, I watch Family Feud, and because I love Steve Harvey, I think Steve Harvey's awesome, and. uh I think that's like a guy when you meet him, be like, I hope this guy respects me. <laughs> you want to, you want to, you don't want to. He's one of those people like Morgan Freeman that you wouldn't want to disappoint, right? Like you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to be a, a a jag off around Steve Harvey. I want to, I don't want this guy to think less of me. I want him to, you know, respect me. I want him to think I'm, you know, worth his time. That's kind of a deal. Okay, yeah. So I like that on him. I had uh, uh, one on my list, John C. Riley. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great pick because he could do anything. Yeah, he's hosted at least that once. That guy could do anything. And he was great on there. And I think he would have been it fit in perfectly well on the cast. Yeah. Er- Absolutely. Early in his career, he wasn't doing comedies. He was doing lots of serious roles. Once he got to dive into comedy, people were like, holy crap, this dude's funny. <laughs> you know what opened my eyes to just how talented John C. Riley is was uh, Chicago. Yeah. His character, the, did you ever watch the musical Chicago? Nope. Oh, he's in that. He plays um, what's Renee Zellweger, who's with the mainly. She's on trial for murder. She plays. He plays her husband, and he's like uh, he does a a solo of Mister Cellophane, and he it's him singing and doing like a soft shoe type of thing, and his he plays that character so he's such a he he's he's downtrodden. You can tell he's whooped. But he plays it with heart, and it's just—it was incredible. Really, it was a—it was—it was an 
it's a revelation to me when I watched him in that role, just how talented he was. Now knowing him now and going back and watching that, I'm sure yeah, it would be quite surprising to me because I'll. Ma- Do you like musicals at all? Not really. They got to be really good, and I got to be really sold on it and how good it actually is from somebody that doesn't watch musicals. Chicago's <laughs> a good one. <laughs> I say you, there's very few like Willy Wonka, it's Grease, very smartly done Disney movies. Yeah. Those are about the music about all the musicals I watched. Chicago is very well done, and there's lots of eye candy too. So, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right, let's see here. Uh, who else you have? Okay, I have two more, and they're both nominees, basically just for Weekend Update. Okay. First one I think is a is a no brainer, and that's John Stewart. John Stewart would have been the ultimate weekend update anchor. Absolutely, I, I didn't even consider John Stewart, and yeah, that's that absolutely perfect for weekend update. He did he his did own a half hour. Yeah, he did a half hour weekend update for what like ten years. Yeah, and so Daily Show was hilarious. Oh, I I I loved that show. I was hooked on the Daily Show, but I think John Stewart could have been the best weekend update anchor of all time. I buy that for sure. And the other one that I think would be a, a decent weekend update anchor. This is going to be a little bit more controversial, and might be a little bit of a harder sell, but I think that it would work, and I can explain why. Joe Rogan. <laughs> All right, explain away. Okay, Joe Rogan is a. And this is going to sound like I'm getting way too deep, just because I like him, I but I really do. I enjoy. He is a Socratic figure. Let me explain what I mean by that. The thing that made Socrates great was Socrates was told by the oracle at Delphi that he was the wisest man alive. And Socrates did not believe the oracle and set out to prove the oracle wrong by finding, endeavoring to find somebody who was wiser than he was. And the only way he could find out who was wiser than he was to go find these people who claimed to know Claimed to be experts in a field, and all he would do was ask them questions. And so he would ask them questions, ask them questions, ask them questions, and what he would find out was that these people were full of it. That they weren't, since they were supposedly experts in, they really didn't know that much about, and it fell apart under, under questioning. And he never tried to make himself out to be smarter than any of these people, but he proved enough people who thought they were smart and thought they were wise to be unwise that they ended up killing him for it. Yeah, because he was upsetting the, the the balance of things. He was upsetting the powers that be, and was shining a light on just how unwise and uneducated they actually were about the things they said they knew a lot about. That's the same thing Joe Rogan does on his podcast. All he does is bring people on there, and for three hours, three and a half hours, he just asks questions, and. He's got the comedic chops to pull it off because if you've ever seen his stand-up, his stand-up is actually above average, really above He's not the best stand-up in history, but his stand-up is definitely above average. You know, good stand-up. And I think he can pull it off, and he brings kind of a... uh, At this point, he would bring a huge sense of gravitas to the position um, just because of who he is. But I think he he would make a great Weekend Update anchor. Yeah. Yeah, you know New York City probably ain't gonna go for it, but <laughs> No, probably not. He's not he's he's not really a liberal darling at this point. Not really. <laughs> Even though he's generally a liberal guy on other things besides guns and uh and you know a couple other subjects, but as far as like other like 
other social things, he's very left wing. Yeah. Yeah, not a bad choice. So that was one. Who else did you have then, Terry, on your alternate list? Jonah Hill. Oh, good one. Yeah, I like that one. Jonah Hill, when he hosts on Saturday Night Live, he's a gag. And he has actually a recurring skit on Saturday Night Live. Yes. As, the, the smart aleck kid. Yeah, yeah, the smart Jewish kid. And, yep. oh, yeah. <laughs> what is he? <laughs> I'm, I'm eight years old or whatever. He told his yeah. finger. I'm eight years old. <laughs> yep. How would I know? I'm eight. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good choice. That's a really good choice. But uh, so yeah, Jonah Hill for lots of obvious reasons. He he just goes all in when he does his comedy. So uh, my my last two uh, alternates were women. I got first off Anna Kendrick. I think would be great on SNL. I I think she's got a wide range of acting. I think she could cover lots of ground. I think she would do exceed. She's great on Twitter. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> oh, she's great. She's got some of her. She's really funny. Yeah. She's genuinely funny, just like these little, you know, one offs and, and one liner type things. She's really funny. Yeah. She'd make for a good update anchor. Another one I got here Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell. Which is kind of funny that I got. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think she would make for a good update anchor. I think she would... Make your case. I, I, I Kristen Bell. Have you ever seen The Good Place? No, I haven't. I haven't watched it. Good. Dude, go watch it. Is it good? It's it's great. It's only four seasons, and they stopped it because they knew they didn't want... They wanted to get off the train while it, it was still going there. They wanted okay. to go out on things. top. It, I, you'll like it. It's it's uh, easy watch, and it's interesting, okay. too. It's just fun, and it just breaks down the afterlife in a way that <laughs> just for comedic reasons you okay. wouldn't think so it, it's really cool uh but that that would be my case is watch that show <laughs> but right. but yeah she's she's just really funny and i think she would do well on saturday night live probably anna kendrick a little better but yeah kristen bell's funny I, I yeah if i'm picking between the two i think i go with anna kendrick just because I, she's got a natural comedic sense to her uh, I think you're probably right. Yeah, I think uh, she would be great over Kristen Bell. But like I said, they're both good. But good place, go watch it. It is funny. I will. And and these Rushmore's could be. Uh, hopefully, somebody from Saturday Night Live is listening because they had half their cast walk away after this season. It's gonna be people, all people you've never heard of, come next year. So they're gonna need some some star power. Yeah, get some heavy hitters in there that uh, maybe one big name or something, and then a bunch of people that are strong up-and-comers. I mean, like, really right. strong, because they've had some that just really ain't hitting, right? Yeah, it's been rough here. I've, I've I kind of... Saturday Night Live kind of got a weird uh, during the Trump years, where it became just nonstop, and the whole purpose of the show was just making fun of Trump. Now, it's a long history of making fun of politicians. Oh, yeah, for it. sure. But it just got a little bit much. It's like every single, you know, thing was about Trump. It just got old. It, it was getting so, exhausting for sure. Yeah, I just got you know, and I I don't like Trump, but it, even even as somebody who doesn't like Trump, I was like, all right, let's let's move, we can move on here. There's other things we can do. Yeah, you're right. All right, so we got through our Rushmore. What are we doing next week? All right, Terry, we're gonna have a little fun next week. Okay. We are doing Striper's first album. Shut up. The Yellow and Black Attack. <laughs> Eat it. What is it? 
We're doing a bad movie episode, Terry. Oh, I was wondering when we were going to finally crack into one of these. What We're going to do, I think that it would be good for us to pick three movies that we think are terrible and that we hate. And we're just going to call it the Movies We Hate episode. All right. I think three is a good number. Give us a little bit of time to talk about each one, why we hate it so much, what makes it terrible, and is there anything that can be done to fix it. All right. I like that. And I think that... uh. I don't know what this the kind of this kind of makes a you know what amend that four Mount Rushmore we're each going to do a Mount Rushmore of bad movies and that's what we're going to talk about okay sounds good to me I I got some in, in mind and I, it doesn't even necessarily have to be movies that are made bad there's movies we hate let's just put Rushmore movies we hate and that's two different things really though ah. Uh. I guess you'd call it what you want. You'd call it movies that are just bad. But you, I don't want it to verve into to, to to morph into movies that are so bad they're good. Movies that are bad and you don't like. Yeah. So I guess yeah, movies you hate. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad, a poorly made movie. Just a movie you hate. Okay. So I uh... and we'll do that. It'll be four of them. Then there won't be a separate Rushmore. That'll just be we're each going to bring four movies. Our Rushmore of movies we hate. And we'll just kind of talk about each one of them. That sounds good. I already got one written down, so we're good. Oh, I have my number one already set in stone. Can't wait to hear it next week. I have it, I have it tattooed. I have it tattooed. Just that's how much I hate this movie. I just want to have this movie's title tattooed on my body so I can put the Ghostbusters X out of it, yep. you know, the circle, yep. the red line through it, because I hate this movie with the heat of a thousand suns. <laughs> and so I'll break that one down. And anybody who knows me well knows which movie I'm talking about. And uh, <laughs> because I've talked about it nonstop about how much I hate it. So, all right. Next week, it's movies we hate, Terry. All right. Let's do it. All right. Well, we want to thank all of our fans for tuning in and spending your time with us. We hope you enjoy it as much as we do. For Retro Review with Rob and Terry, I'm Rob. This is Terry. God bless you and good night.